Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. This is by far the coldest Sunday we have had so far. So it's good to see everybody here all bundled up, ready to worship. Uh, and thank you for all those that are gathering with us online. <clears throat> Some announcements that we got today. Uh, we have the Reader's Theater tonight at 6.30. Um, so come out for that. We did a quick run through yesterday. Uh, I think it's going to be a very powerful message. So come out for that. Um, we have our Christmas candlelight at 6 o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, so be aware of that. Uh, next Sunday we will be online only uh, since it is right after Christmas. That way everybody can be gathering with one another. Uh, but there will be a recorded message online. <clears throat> there will also be a short uh, devotional, about 10 minutes, uh, for Christmas morning if you'd like to watch that. Our Advent study will meet tonight at 4, or this afternoon at 4. Uh, this will be our last one. Um, we will not be doing Zoom tonight because we had the program at 6.30. Uh, so uh, if you want to come to that one, we'll be at 4 o'clock. Um, and that's all the announcements I have. So I'm going to say now Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, because it'll be New Year uh, before we gather back out here again for worship. So are there any other announcements this morning? All right. Well, seeing none, let us begin our time this morning with a prayer. So let us pray. Mighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here. As we follow in Mary's footsteps, open our hearts that we might be filled with your goodness and your love. Live in us that we might bear the Christ light for all to see. Overshadow us with your presence that we might truly be blessed and offer your blessing of love to the world. Amen. This morning, our song of preparation is, What Child Is This? What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap? Where 
Amen. As we remember why we gather during this season, we also take time to share in our joys and our concerns uh, for those who are sick, those who need healing, uh, and celebrate with those who have just joys this morning. So what do we have uh, for concerns and joys this morning? Well, this morning our prayer comes from, uh, I get them offline all the time, and I love this one this morning. This one is written by Christine Sign, um, and this one is a prayer for others during Advent. So let us pray. Into our troubles and weaknesses into the barren places of our souls. Come, Lord, come down, come in, come among us and make us whole. Into the war-torn and the refugee, into those who live in conflict, come down, come in. Come among us and make us whole. Into the homeless and the unemployed. Into those who feel abandoned. Come, Lord. Come down. Come in. Come among us and make us whole. Into the sick and the disabled. Into those with covid and with cancer. Come, Lord. Come down. Come in. Come among us and make us whole. Into the poor and the starving. Into those who are oppressed or abused. Come, Lord. Come down. Come in. Come among us and make us whole. Into the lives of loved ones, into those from whom we are estranged, come, Lord, come down, come in, come among us and make us whole. Into our joys and celebrations, into our work and our achievements. Come, Lord. Come down. Come in. Come among us and make us whole. O oh Christ, we long for your coming. Hasten that day when those who seek you in every nation will come from the east and the west from the north and the south, and sit at table in your kingdom. Hasten the day when your kingdom will come in all its glory, 
and suffering and pain and sickness and oppression and death will be overcome forever. Hasten the day when we will be resurrected as a great multicultural family and live in peace, harmony, joy, and love together in your kingdom. Lord, we pray these things this morning in the name of the Savior, our Lord Jesus the Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Advent reading this morning from the Old Testament is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 11 and verse 16. When the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I'm living in a cedar palace, but God's chest is housed in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you are thinking, because the Lord is with you. But that very night the Lord's word came to Nathan. Go to my servant David and tell him, This is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build the temple for me to live in. In fact, I haven't lived in a temple from the day I brought Israel out of Egypt until now. Instead... I have been traveling around in a tent and in a dwelling. Throughout my traveling around with the Israelites, did I ever ask any Israel's tribal leaders I appointed to shepherd my people, why haven't you built me a cedar temple? So then, say this to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heavenly forces says. I took you from the pasture, from following the flock, to be leader over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and I've eliminated all your enemies before you. Now, I will make your name great, like the name of the greatest people on earth. I'm going to provide a place for my people Israel, and plant them so that they may live there and no longer be disturbed. Cruel people will no longer trouble them as they have been earlier, when I appointed leaders over my people Israel. And I will go with you, I will go, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. And the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make a dynasty for you. Your dynasty and your kingdom will be secured forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. We live on the brink every day. We stand on the threshold between this world and the next one. 
We live and move between the ordinary and divine, between the mundane and the mystery. Too often we forget to look up and see the angels in our living room. We forget that the love we give and live is a sign of eternity, God with us right now. We forget that company is coming. Luke is going to tell us that God's favor came to a girl, an ordinary girl. It might have been you or your daughter. It might have been the girl down the street or your grandchild. But the messenger of God came and greeted her and said, The Lord is with you. What a gift and a promise. Emmanuel, God with us. So we'd light these candles today with peace in our hearts for the promise of proximity, the nearness of God, even when we forget to listen, to lean into that presence. God is as close as our own breath. This, in a confused and confusing world, is a peace that passes all understanding. It is the peace that knows that company is coming. O come, O come, Emmanuel. As we continue our fourth Sunday of Advent, we are so thankful for all the gifts and offerings that have been given. So this morning we offer this prayer for those things that have been offered. Let us pray. In this time of continued distant socializing, gracious God, we offer your thanks and praise for this season of anticipation this season of Advent. As we prepare for the birth of your Son, we share our tithes and offerings with the joy and excitement that are common when people anticipate the birth of a new child. Gracious God, bless these gifts in your holy name. Amen. Our gospel text this morning is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, Jesus' birth foretold. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen? 
since I haven't had sexual relations with a man. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. The woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. And then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, as we have gathered this morning in this shelter, out of the rain, away from the wind, Lord, let us hear your message. May the words of your servant's mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're continuing our series this morning on companies coming. How Advent sits in the nexus between past and future. How the origin of the season is to remind us that we are heading somewhere and that we are waiting for something that is not yet here. So far we have found the mess, we've been invited to clean it up, and we've decorated. And now it's the fourth Sunday of Advent, and the tug of war is over. We need to do more than keep to the Advent theme of anticipation of the second coming of Christ. We need to relive it first. We need to live into this first coming We are on the threshold of a new world. Never mind the fact that we've been on this threshold for over 2,000 years. We are standing on the brink and we need to proclaim what is on the other side. What does it mean for Christ to take up residence in our world? What does it mean then and what does it mean now? Those are the questions. This is our chance to tell the story of a life with Christ that changes everything. It is important to remember, however, that this is an invitation, not a one-upmanship. We celebrate what God is doing in our midst and how our lives are being transformed. That's the key, the being word. We are in process And just as liable to mess up as anyone. We are not perfect people, but we love a perfect Lord. And we are trying to live into a perfect love. The focus, of course, is not on us, but on Christ. So we tell the story of the unimaginable love of God that causes the incarnation to happen in history. The God who has and is other is also one of us, Emmanuel, God with us. 
We sing the songs of the Christ who comes among us. We celebrate the wonder of the incarnation, God in flesh among us. We also find ways to share the presence. It isn't something we keep to ourselves. The one who comes to us comes to all. And our privilege is that we can announce this invitation, this good news to everyone. It's almost Christmas. We hit critical mass somewhere around this last week before the day itself. We run on overload and we find a little bit of magic, a little miracle working to make it all come out the way we hope and pray that it will. Those seem to be our choices in this season, overwhelmed or by the skin of our teeth. But why? Because it's Christmas? That's the answer we may give, we, we get when we ask, which doesn't really help. It's also almost, it's almost the same as saying, because I said so. So why do we do it? Well, because company is coming, and we want the house to look nice. Now, that might sound shallow, but it is what motivates us, appearances. It's not supposed to sound shallow because there is something important going on there. In the desire to present a welcoming home, a home of joy and light, full of sights and sounds and smells of the season, there is something profound being said about the nature of Christmas itself. Appearances. How would it look if someone showed up before you got everything spruced up? How would it look if you were found with the boxes from the attic not put away and the decorations strewn across the floor and the kitchen a mess because the kids had to help with the baking and the cat knocking the ornaments off the tree with abandon and the tempers running short and the, the strain beginning to show? And if you push replay on Jingle Bell Rock one more time, I'm not going to be responsible for my actions. How would it look? That was essentially the question that David asked in 2 Samuel. He was relaxing in his lazy boy throne, watching the Philistines losing to the Amalekites in the fourth quarter, and he happens to glance out the window into the backyard and see what God and sees what God has been living in since he moved back from wherever it was that he got stolen to. And he thought, how does this look? Here I am living in my brand new house with the full finished basement, full baths on every floor, walk-in closets and three-car garage, and there's God living in a pop-up tent in the backyard. There's something not right here. Or maybe... Maybe it was his grumpy wife, Michelle, who told him she didn't like the look of God's camper next to her, to her rose bushes, and ever since God strung those lights up on the canopy, it is starting to look like a trailer park out there. How does it look to have me in here and God out there? David said, not good. Not good. So David says, well, we just got to build God a house. And Nathan, 
who runs messages back and forth from the camper in the back into the, pla into the palace, says, good idea. At least until he trundles out to the backyard and has a word with God. And God says no. Says he's kind of partial to the pop-up camper. He likes being able to go where the people are. He likes to be on the move. He doesn't want to be tied down with the maintenance worries that home ownership brings. He prefers to be able to run out in front to head off the bad guys at the pass. And who's the one in the home building business anyway? Wasn't it I who led you home to the promised land? Wasn't it I who made you safe enough to build your tri-level ranch-style palace anyway? I'm the one in the home establishing business, not you. In fact, you might say that this is my main motivating factor in all this chosen people stuff in the first place. To make a home. A home for you and my people and through you to make a home for the whole world. God says, come home. That's the offer God makes to David. Come home, home to me, home to your true self, home to your true family. That's what God is really talking about, home. David is talking about building a house, and God wants to talk about finding a home. God built in all of us the desire for home, and maybe at Christmas, this desire for home is a little bit stronger or a little bit closer to the surface. And sometimes, we have to move heaven and earth to get there. And it upsets our routines, and we will wonder on occasion whether it is worth it. And yet we go, or they come, or we find a new place. God told David that David wasn't going to build God a home. And then it said in the verses we skipped over that David's son was going to do it. Then later, David and everyone thought that God was talking about Solomon because Solomon did indeed build the temple as a home for God. At least that's what everyone thought God meant. Everyone but Luke, that is. Luke reminds us that God had different ideas than the rest of us did. Solomon's temple was quite a structure, and God apparently liked it well enough. Well enough to visit, but it was never really God's home, or so it seems. For one thing, it was always called Solomon's temple. No, God had a different, different son in mind when he said, your son will be my home. God was thinking of the one that Gabriel would call the son of the Most High, the one that would reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there would be no end. That's the son who would build God's home. No one quite got that. David didn't really understand what God meant. Solomon really didn't understand either, but he got the construction crew out anyway. No one knew what God really meant. No one but Mary. 
But then the indications are that Mary didn't really understand this either. How could she? Just imagine this young, unmarried, soon-to-be-married gets a message from God. And the message is God's coming home, taking up residence in her. Now, there's nothing special. special. This nothing special backwoods teenager was going to be God's home for a few months. And talk about your troubling house guest. Feet on the furniture are nothing compared to this. Those who are mothers, who have experienced the joy of pregnancy and birth, know better than the rest the hard realities of this little event. We are here a few days before Christmas talking about Mary finding out she's going to be pregnant. And then Wednesday night, she gives birth. Pretty amazing, really. But not. She carried this load like everyone else. She hurt and she sweated and she paced and she groaned and she struggled and she wondered and she worried. And she bled and she gave birth in a barn because no one was willing to give her a bed. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. The Lord has a different idea of favoritism than we do. The Lord has a different idea of blessings than we do. The Lord has a different idea of home than we do. Come home, says the Lord to us at Christmas time. Come home. David wanted to build a house for God on the tallest hill in Jerusalem where God could be removed and distance and overlook all the people who would have to go out of their way to give obedience to God. But God wanted to build his home a little closer to the deep realities of living in this world so that, he, that we would be surprised by God where we live. God wanted to build his home where we sweat and labor, where we work and play, where we laugh and we cry, where our hearts are lifted up and often broken and sometimes healed. David wants God's home on a mountain, but God wanted his home in the womb of a virgin in the feed box behind an inn in the little town of Bethlehem. God wanted his home in the backwoods region of Galilee, on the roads of the countryside in the grassy place, where 5,000 sat and ate their fill. God wanted his home in the birthing units and wedding celebrations and the dinner parties. God wanted his home in the tear-filled bedrooms and sick beds and the graveyards of his children. God wanted his home in the courtrooms and prison cells and then on the streets of sorrow of Jerusalem in the dark hill called Calvary. God wants his home in your home. 
in the living rooms and kitchens and playrooms and bedrooms of your life. God calls us at Christmas and says, Greetings, favored ones. I'm coming home. Coming home for Christmas. Is there room for me in your crowded, busy lives? Is there room for me? And like any baby born in our midst, he says, I won't take up much room, just all that you have. Is there room for me? I'm coming home. And off to the side, almost out of our vision, an angel waits for our answer. We're waiting on the threshold of the birth. But we can't experience this one without first experiencing the first one. The first birth. The babe that lays in a manger. That God lived in the womb and made his home with his people. Emmanuel, God, with us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our hymn of invitation again is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, but this version is sung by Citizen Shade. So listen now for O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. As we close our time this morning, I offer a benediction and then uh, the song of hope again by the Robbie Say Band. So receive this benediction. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us, anointing us to bright hope to all, to bring hope to all people. So go and prepare the way for the Lord of love, and may the forces of evil become confused on the way to your house. Amen.